Hey there, and welcome to a new episode of the Hashtag Mo Ledge podcast, and I promised you a special guest today, and our special guest today is State Senator Lincoln Huff. Hi. Welcome. The intro is special guest, so we couldn't get a real special guest. We had to- You were the special freshman, guest. Freshman state senator from Springfield. Yes. My freshman, pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. <laughs> welcome to the Hashtag Mo Ledge podcast. Of course, I am Rachel Herndon Dunn, and I have drug Alicia Schur, our rock star reporter, with me. And she's here. I'm here, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Always. Thursdays in <laughs> Jeff City's. They're always <laughs> Yes. It's when the panic truly sets in. <laughs> anyway, so it's your, your second week as second a state, week. state yeah. senator. So right. let's talk about the first week you were sworn in. That's exciting. It was exciting. Look, it's it's if, if this experience for anyone who's elected or, quite frankly, gets to work in this building, if it doesn't humble you, you're doing something wrong in my opinion because there is something uh pretty incredible about standing on the floor of either the house or the senate and knowing that you represent not just your community but in my opinion the state as a whole and they chose you of all the people of in your all district. the people that they could that they could <laughs> choose they have entrusted uh this office with me and and i don't take that lightly and i don't uh I don't claim to be an expert in everything, but I do claim to be very open-minded and very open to the public and will uh, be interested to see how this session moves forward. So you were in the House, and then you said, six, wait. Six years. Six three years. tours of duty in the House. So after your tenure in the Senate, are you going to go back to the House? Polo. <laughs> you know, uh We'll see. We will see. <laughs> right now, I mean, right now I'm focused on, you know, what we need to do over here in the Senate. We had, I think we got uh, a nice a nice introduction from the governor yesterday in his state of the state address, obviously focusing a lot on workforce development. I think we knew, we knew going in that was going to be a focus, but it's nice to see that that laser focus continue from his entire administration. There has been a theme of focus, and I want to come back and talk about the state of the state in a few minutes. Um, But I want to talk about like why you're here. You were at the county commission, the Green County Commission, Mm -hmm. and I've heard that you guys came down. Yes, we did a show me Missouri Missouri. County, which is awesome. I think that's a really cool deal that you guys did. It was like my third trip to Springfield. It's always exotic. No, I think it's neat because every community's got a story. Yeah, every county's got a story. Every city's got a story. There's a reason that they're there. There's a reason that some of them grow and some of them don't. And there's you know. Uh, there's always something to talk about at the local level. Yes. So shameless plug, after you listen to this, you should go listen to the Show Me Missouri episode of Greene County. We talked about dairy cows. Yeah. That. Yeah, we did. Learning a lot about cows, especially since Alicia came on board. She is a cow person. <laughs> Are you? I grew up on a cattle ranch. So you and I have this in common. Although I didn't grow up on one, I started one. Did you? Right. Which is sort of an anomaly. Not a lot of people Commercial? <laughs> yeah. Commercial. I've got some registered pulled Herefords, but not... The majority okay. of them are just commercial cows. So you went with pulled Herefords? Well, I think they're the most photogenic. <laughs> if you're going photogenic, you should have yeah, gone I mean, shorthorns. Oh, no. <laughs> this is exactly where we wanted this podcast to go. A debate about the most photogenic, I'll just, I'll just photogenic breed of cattle. <laughs> but I'll give it to you. Herefords are pretty, and they got a lot of the cutting ability that you get from Angus. That's right. Right. So, so bring this back to the laser, <laughs> laser focus. This is laser focus, man. Um, what made you want to run for office to begin with, though? Sure. So uh, I actually first ran for office uh, in 2010, whenever I was elected to the House. Uh, 
Uh, I had served on some chamber committees uh, back in Springfield, and the outgoing member of the House at that time was uh, Bob Dixon. And Bob and I had interacted on, you know, a couple of community projects, you know, through the course of a few years. And he's actually the one that came to me and said, hey, have you ever thought about running for office? Now, you know, full disclosure, I had, you know, previously lost a uh, race for student body president at Missouri State. That hurts. Oh, still stings. I'm not bitter. And then uh, had actually lost a race for associate county commissioner against a woman who essentially founded the city of Springfield, Roseanne Bentley, who was a state senator here. <laughs> right, so 24, 20, right, 20, 24, 25 years old. I ran, I ran in that race because uh, at the time the county had come up with this uh, land use plan and had decided to draw lines on a map and say, essentially, if you live on one side of the street, your property will be uh, looked at for future development. And if you live on the other side of the street, we're going to call it something called an agricultural reserve. And we are not going to uh, foster any type of essentially development on that side of the road. And so me, I mean, I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative guy, but I just thought, who in the world gets to dictate to me whether or not I can sell my property to someone who wants to build a house or 20 houses, or if I want to keep it in farm. Now, you would think, as a young person who was trying to get in, build my cattle operation at the time, I would have loved this, right? Because it automatically depressed the land value in the, quote, ag reserve area of the county. But just, you know, in, in my head, I just couldn't wrap, wrap it around having someone in some office tell me, sorry, you can't sell your property if your neighbor wants to buy it and build a golf course or something like that. And obviously Green County's had plenty of zoning for 60 years or something like that. But that's what thrust me into uh, that race. And I don't remember the numbers exactly. I mean, I lost, so it doesn't really matter. And Roseanne's a friend and she's been, she's been a friend for, well, pretty much ever since she beat me. Um, <laughs> It's a good foot to start with. Right, right. But, well, now that we uh, got that out of the way. But but my parents raised me to get involved, be involved in your community, and if you can be an advocate for people that maybe don't have the time or don't have the energy to do that on their own, you should do that. And I'll be honest with you, the only thing that allows me the opportunity to do this is the aforementioned cattle operation. Because I don't have a eight to five job, I don't, I'm not trying to climb some corporate ladder. I've got a, a nice business back at home. I've got a couple of guys that work for me, and uh, this gives me the opportunity to be involved in my community. And I'm going to be honest; I didn't know that certain counties like didn't have zoning until we yeah. started doing Show Me Missouri. Yeah, because I mean, Scott likes to say he's a simple hillbilly. Um, I am like a simple, just suburbanite, who's very sheltered. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the majority of our counties don't have planning and so it's, it's yeah. amazing to me. Mm -hmm. I can anyway, see the advantages of... There, there are pros and cons on both sides, yeah. I, I've told people anymore that in Greene County, essentially, if you if you dig a hole in Greene County, you probably need a permit. Now, not everybody I've, likes that. <laughs> so whenever I mean, that's, whenever you know, we did the much, Polk County episode of Show Me Missouri, they right. called Greene County the People's Republic of Greene County. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was an endearing term. Absolutely, they made it super complimentary. Fashion. They believe in liberty. <laughs> so no, so, I just I just want to be the best advocate that I can be for my community, and as long as the voters trust me to come up here and do this, and I'll continue doing it. Nice. 
So second week of session. Basically, second like, long, arduous week. No filibusters this week. Yeah. Well, I think we should it, start a countdown. Yeah. Till the next one. How many days has the Senate gone without a filibuster? We'll get a poster. <laughs> zero days. Right? <laughs> we keep our zero. <laughs> yeah, no, the second week's been good. Obviously, we got uh, committee assignments went out formally yesterday. Yeah, so, so what committees are you excited, on? Excited about that. Um, economic development, serve on local government, uh, ways and means, uh, the vice chair of the Appropriations Committee, which I think that'll be the one that probably takes the majority of my focus. I mean, you guys probably remember this, but my time in the House uh, spent was primarily on the budget side of things. Uh, chaired a couple of Appropriations Committees through the years. Uh, we served on a conference. Um, was put on that committee as a freshman and spent six years on the Budget Committee. So. Nice. So you're excited? Excited, yeah. I'm not sure my staff's super excited. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> Great here. staff. Great staff. You've Phenomenal got Pat staff. Thomas. Pat Thomas, Robin Stone. Robin came from Jay Wasson's uh, office, so she knows Southwest Missouri, knows the players down there. It's nice to not have to explain who the superintendent is, who the chamber people are, who the business people are. I mean, she, she knows them, has a good background. And then the 35th Senator, Pat Thomas. Yes, essentially. Yes. Just gonna think about that for a while. <laughs> anyway, so you um went back to the house chamber yesterday for the state of the state. What did you think? against my will? I was told I. I'm just kidding. Yeah, isn't it a constitutional <laughs> thing that like you have to do that? Yeah, so I think I think we are actually. <laughs> um. So what did you think of the speech? Speech was good. I think I think the governor's off to a great start. He's got a good administration. He's got a lot of good a good pe- good people over there. Uh, obviously, you know, like I said earlier, focused on workforce development, focused on uh, job training for individuals. When you've got an unemployment rate uh, in Springfield specifically, we're hovering a little under three percent. State, I think, it's just a hair over three percent. Um, most people will tell you that's about full employment for your working population. Now, I think the most important thing we need to do is we need to make sure that the people that are seeking out these next level of jobs for themselves and for these communities have the skills they need, have the training they need, have the background they need to do those jobs. And so I was excited to see uh, and hear the governor with that focus. I've been pretty impressed that having unemployment so low is causing problems. Right. Because people don't have anyone to hire. Right. It's and it's everywhere. It's not. It's not an urban issue. It's not a rural issue. It's a statewide issue, and really, it's a midwestern issue right now. Um, I've talked to, I don't know how many businesses in around Springfield that say we have X number of jobs. They're continuously posted, and we can't find people to fill them. And when you're turning out as many graduates as we are from two-year and four-year institutions, I think what we really need to do is make sure that those graduates are ready to be employed and ready to do the jobs that are available day one upon graduation. So Alicia can probably talk about this a little bit better than I can because she's been going to all the state of the state and budget mm-hmm. press conferences and writing them. Um, what did you think about the governor's proposal on transportation funding, especially being on appropriations now? Now are we talking his bonding yes. Yes. idea? So um, full disclosure, I helped uh, whenever I was in the House the last time we passed, uh, it was a little over $600 million bonding bill that uh, was divided up around the state. I mean, that's what the work on this building right here, the Capitol, is 
being paid for with the onset Rishi, state parks, uh, big influx, a lot of state institutions, um, just deferred maintenance. I mean, when budgets get tight, the first thing that you stop doing is those little, those, those little ma- yeah. those maintenance projects, those you know leaky roof here and there kind of things, and tuck pointing on old buildings and things like that. So uh, it's an interesting proposal to say we're now going to have to borrow our way to fixing you know, there's number of bridges and 250 bridges yeah but does that include the bridge by my house and that's going to be the question that everybody you has know, as long I as that's have... the bridge by my house i'm okay i actually have a I printout of this. all the bridges right did you check to see if it's if the one by my house is on there i did not i think i've mentioned yes i think i've mentioned there's a bridge on every podcast for like the last six months is it closed closed? yes Mm -hmm. and so we have a back way out of my neighborhood to get to the ice rink and the t-ball fields right and they closed it in the middle of my son's football season and they play football on the baseball fields so you you, just ruined my day well we sort of make light of this right like you're kind of like 40 percent joking in this this is a real issue though it is it's a real issue that when we don't have adequate dollars to fund the infrastructure in this state, things actually start impacting people. This isn't some, you know, over here, out of sight, out of mind. Like when bridges start closing and people have to start diverting and driving around and school buses have to start, you know, instead of it takes 20 minutes for a child who's riding the school bus to get to school and then it's 45 minutes because they've got to drive around some bridge. That's a real problem. That's a real issue. And then what you do is you overly congest and you're, you're on the other roads, on your other, on your alternate route, because instead of you going one direction, now you're going the other. Yeah. And everyone else is going the other because you can't drive over the bridge that's now closed. So it's a it's a real issue. And you know, I, I think sometimes people forget that newspaper people are real people. But <laughs> it's scary to me that a bridge that now has concrete barriers on it was being driven on with my two kids in the backseat sure. the week before. Sure. Like, what if it had gone out? Sure. And how many of those bridges are about to be closed that have kids right. crossing them right now? Right. Anyway, I get a little distracted. So Parsons' here. proposal is to borrow $351 million to mm-hmm. fix the, the 250 bridges. Mm-hmm. Real Missourian question. Whenever a state borrows money, where does the money come from? Well, bonds are actually issued. So there are there are essentially buyers around the country that buy those municipal bonds. I mean, Greene County, for instance, just issued $67 million in bonds. And what's interesting, like the day that we issued those bonds and they were sold on the open market, um, I probably won't get this exactly right, but it was somewhere in the neighborhood of for that week in the municipal bonding arena, there was something like five or six or seven billion dollars in bonds that were actually sold on the open market that week. So there are there are investors around the country that buy municipal bonds because they're pretty safe. You're most likely gonna get your return over the next X number of years if those things are paid back. That's so interesting. And they were, you know, when when Green County did it, they were, it wasn't like this, you know, long, arduous process of selling a house and selling it. It was like, so the bonds were on the market and they were sold 10 minutes later. Wow. So how does that affect the state's credit rating? 
Well, I think what, what we always have to do is we have to be cognizant of the debt load that we carry as a state. And my question right now, and I don't actually have an answer to this, is were there are there bonds right now that have been paid off recently that then this $350 million is going to essentially backfill? So we're not taking on any more debt load. We're just, we've paid some off and now we're reissuing something else because that's what we did a few years ago when we did the 600 and whatever million dollars in bonds. I don't know if we've rolled some off very recently that this essentially takes the place of. So we'll have to, I mean, I've got, got a handful of questions associated with this. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, um, so last year, I think Schmidt, whenever he was treasurer, he did like a, a new website, mm -hmm. the checkbook website, and it has made mm -hmm. the state budget a lot more, a lot easier to comprehend. Sure. Because it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's easy for us to throw a bunch of ink on paper and they're just words, but it is right. a real thing. It is real dollars. Mm -hmm. Real and, dollars and, it's and just, real It's impacts. a mind-blowing yeah. thing. Yeah. About $30 billion. So what did you think of the emergency fund? Because you were telling me that the governor's proposing there would just be like money kept back in case yes. of emergency, droughts, tornadoes. $116 million. Right. Missouri likes a good natural disaster. And that's on top of the 3% that's automatically withheld. Right. right. Interesting. So if there's... No, I think it's a good idea. I mean, you know, it's one of the things that uh, has frustrated me about previous administrations when... You know, we always do a supplemental budget, you know, when when you know, gas prices rise and MoDOT and Highway Patrol and things like that. I mean, these guys drive all the time. Or say we have a really bad winter. Okay, we'll do gas prices first. So gas prices go up and, you know, we, we have a gasoline allowance, you know. I mean, it's a line item in the budget. It's, you know, X number of dollars. But if gas doubles from what it is now and we don't build a plan for that, you've got to have something to draw on. So we would always, we'll always pass a supplemental budget and it's usually, you know, a couple hundred million dollars ancillary costs here and there. If we have a really bad winter and we spend, you know, twice as much money on salt on the roads and overtime pay and things like that, you gotta have somewhere to come from. So it's one of the things that's always frustrated me about previous administrations that don't build in any contingency, any any plan for a supplemental budget that we all know we're gonna end up having to pass and having to fund. So in my opinion, this is a this is a great idea. And I think it uh, or a great priority from the governor, and it probably comes, I mean, obviously we all know the governor's background, but getting back to the cattle theme of this podcast, you have to have a contingency fund when you operate a business like that, because you, I mean, you won't be in business very long if you have one dry summer and you don't have a plan, or you have one really bad winter and you don't have a plan. It just doesn't work. I, so I think he brings that, that mindset to this office, and it's, uh, I think it's a its a good idea and a good plan. It does make sense. It particularly makes sense after the drought. Yes. Alicia had. is new to Missouri. Where did you come from? Or the state of Oregon. Not Oregon, Missouri. Not Oregon, Missouri. <laughs> I Googled that the other day. Right. It's a city yes. that exists. And yes. I'm sure I'm going to get someone who's just like, yeah, Rachel, I am from Oregon, and... <laughs> Um, yeah, our, our weather's, I mean, it's crazy drought this year. We yep. had a drought last year. Mm -hmm. Year before that, we had flooding on the Mississippi and yeah, Missouri. It really is feast or famine around here. We have very few years, at least in, in you know, my short experience, where I've really paid attention to the weather. Because, I mean, when you're running cattle, like it makes, I mean, it's, it's a make or break kind of environment. It really uh, is. And when, when things 
when things get real dry in July and August, which you always know, I mean, it's summer. It's going to be 100 degrees here and there. It's not going to rain every day. I understand that. But when your pastures start drying up and you're starting to look at feeding hay in August instead of maybe November or December or January, you've got some tough decisions to make. So like I said, I think Governor Carson brings that mindset to his you know, fiscal mantra for this state, which is, you know, plan for some of those events, That's which will serve mindset. us well. Yeah. It's a good mindset to sure. have. Absolutely. I was really thankful this year to have Alicia on staff because I, like, I'm not from an agricultural family right. at all. And so I genuinely didn't understand what it meant to be feeding hay in August. And I think Lieutenant Governor Kehoe was talking about sure. it because he had to do it. Sure. Carson and Alicia was talking had to, like, break this do down it. board book style for me. <laughs> But it was interesting because we went to the state fair. Mm-hmm. I saw you there. Yeah. Yes. Um, and everyone was so happy, but like nervous. Sure. Sure. And now people are going to be talking about how they're happy to have snow because it'll be good for the soybeans. That's right. Which I think I understand now. I'm learning about <laughs> moisture <laughs> balance right now. Yep. Apparently, you're supposed to pick your plants in the morning. There bale are, hay in the that's right at a certain time because you right. want a specific moisture balance. I learned how to yeah. spell bale this year. <laughs> There's I, a couple ways, right? <laughs> <laughs> so wrapping this up, sure. I have one loaded question for you. Oh, good. Have you been pulled over lately in district? Not in district. <laughs> <laughs> I don't not know if district. you missed this or not, but there's um <clears throat> one person in the world who might not like the senator there's only one though there's only one do tell <laughs> no no it's just, you know it's i think sometimes people have different priorities and different mindsets and some people like to uh build giant concrete boxes and uh, throw people in them and other people think that uh treatment options maybe are a better way to go and we had a little philosophical disagreement and I think I'll, I'll tell you. I like I like the position that I'm in. I like that uh, Governor Parson again is saying he's not interested in building more state prisons. He's interested in. What did you think of the consolidation thing? Like I was going to wrap this up, but serious questions. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think anytime you can consolidate an environment like that, you're going to have efficiencies. I mean, just just personnel, just you know, manpower dealing with those populations, things like that. So I think uh, I think it's a good idea. Is there a prison in your district? There's not. Well, there's a federal. Uh, oh. Fedmez in Springfield. Interesting. And you know, Greene County again is considering the additional space necessary to deal with a rising inmate population, and those numbers fluctuate on how big we've got to. 600 bed facility now with a little uh, trailer park jail next door that has another 108 beds in it and then there's you know plans for an additional four five six it's kind of interesting beds. my first year at the missouri times i think it was me who wrote it or maybe it was a dream but it seems like there have been a lot of corrections innovations coming out of southwest missouri because I remember writing about Greene County's treatment courts, mm-hmm. and that was a big deal. And really, yeah. it was Greene County that kind of trailed. Yeah, Commissioner that. Peggy Davis, um, Court Commissioner Peggy Davis, who recently retired and uh, 
Kevin Austin, who served in the House, filled, is now filling that uh, court commissioner role, but it's a treatment court. And it's an intensive environment for individuals that have substance abuse issues. And I believe those are the things that change lives. Those are the types of programs. Now, you've got to hold people accountable uh, when, when bad things happen. But you also need to give people the tools to better themselves. And if, if you can put someone through a program, and these are not easy programs to get through. These are you know, intensely supervised. And uh, Judge Peggy Davis I mean, was sort of the pioneer uh, in not only Southwest Missouri, but quite frankly, around the country saying, you know, this is, this is a model that fits a population. It doesn't fit every single individual, but it does fit a number of people and uh, it can have a more long lasting effect than just locking someone up for five or 10 years. I find it interesting to watch the statistics that are now coming out showing lower return rates Recidivism? Yes, yeah. that's the word. I knew it was an R word. But it decreases. Sure. The alternative criminal justice plans. Sure. Basically treating the problem. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, we don't have to get way down this rabbit hole here, but just philosophically for me, I would always rather treat the person and treat the issue that they're dealing with rather than lock them up and throw away the key for some amount of time and then expect them to assimilate back into our culture, into our communities upon release. And there are, look, don't get me wrong, there are programs <coughs> in our correctional facilities, there's programs in our jails and things like that. But what Commissioner Davis did down in Springfield was uh, second to none in putting a value back in the individual. And I think that's important. Well, cool. Is there anything else you want to talk about today? No, week two. Let's do it again week three. Week see, two. You guys, <laughs> see you guys back here in Jeff City next week? Yes. We're off on Monday. Yes. I'm Martin sure Luther you guys King are taking Jr. Day off. I covered the Martin Luther King Jr. celebration for the first time last night. Was genuinely blown away. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. It was moving. And their message was focus and legacy. Mm-hmm. And if that Senator doesn't strike a heartstring in every person's heart in this building, like there's you're in the wrong building. Yeah. To be quite frank, you can go across the street. I don't know. Well, not this street, but another street. <laughs> go across the river. You just gotta right. ask Green County if it's zoned correctly. There you go. Because it's probably not. Well, it has been an honor to have you on the show. My pleasure, as always. You know that. Well, thank you for listening to the hashtag MoLedge podcast. We will be back on Tuesday. Tuesday. You want to take Monday off? Let's take Monday off. Let's take Monday off. Executive decision. <laughs> All right. So we will be back on Tuesday with a podcast, with a paper, with more promotions for our upcoming Statesman of the Year party. Um, maybe I'll decide in what food we're going to have there and announce that. That's news. If you have an opinion on that, email Rachel. Uh, don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> <laughs> Can't. I'm voting for mini cheeseburgers. I I think the governor would appreciate that. <laughs> he is the statesman of the year. Um, nonetheless, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.